Hello, everyone. My name is Daniel, and this is the Engineering Success Podcast. On this week's podcast, we are blessed to have a guest. And then afterwards, I'll finish off the podcast, as always, by responding to some career questions. Now, I know this week's guest from my college career at Trinity University, and she will be sharing her experience as a recent college graduate who's found a job during COVID. Emma Burbeck is someone I am honored to call a colleague and more importantly, a friend, and she has had quite the journey to start her career. So without any further ado, I'll kick it over to the interview and then we'll get into the career questions. All right, I'm on with Emma Burbeck, EIT, and she is an assistant engineer at VNA Consulting Engineers. She got her Bachelor of Science in Mechanical Engineering at Texas Christian University. And again, she currently works as an assistant engineer. So welcome, Emma. Hey, Daniel. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being on. I really appreciate you uh, giving, your, giving your time today. So uh, can you give me a quick kind of overview on what your current role is and what you currently do? Sure. So I'm in Houston, Texas currently. I just moved here about nine months ago and I'm an assistant engineer. Um, that basically means I assist uh, professional engineers. Um, so my company works in the water and wastewater industry. And we have five major service lines, uh, including corrosion, condition assessment, coating on pipelines, flow monitoring, and odor control. So we do water and wastewater and then some transit asset stuff. Um, it keeps me busy. It's very exciting. No two days are the same. So I really enjoy it. Awesome. And then you said, and I read earlier that you're an EIT, so you do plan to become a professional engineer. Yes, currently getting started studying for that. So. Awesome. So, so I, I also said that you graduated from TCU. So let's start from where you are now and kind of get a quick timeline working back to your time at TCU. So what Absolutely. was your last role? So yeah, I graduated from TCU December, 2019. Um, right before COVID hit and I had a job coming right out of school. I got, I graduated at the end of December and started working January 6th, 2020. I worked for a, as a mechanical engineer um, at a full service MEP firm. Um, that firm offered like civil, structural, electrical, mechanical and plumbing design. And I was a plumbing and mechanical designer. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I worked under PEs. We designed HVAC and plumbing systems, um, and my company was pretty cool because we did all sorts of things. We weren't just focused on one area. We did multifamily, retail, hotels, industrial, commercial, you name it. It was a lot of fun. That's awesome. And then where was that? Oh, that was in Fort Worth, Texas, and it was okay. called Baird, Hampton, and Brown. Awesome. So Fort Worth, Houston, I think we're going to have to come back to that transition between the cities later. And then uh, before that, that was your first job out of college. So then you were at TCU. Yeah. So that was my first role out of college. And I had just spent two and a half years at TCU. I had transferred there from Trinity University in San Antonio. Um, I studied mechanical engineering at both schools. Um, and then, yeah, I ended up graduating in, in 2019. Awesome. And then while you were in school, did you have any internships? I did. I had two internships. 
Uh, my first internship I actually did simultaneously while um, as a junior in college. Wow. Okay. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of work. <laughs> I don't know how <laughs> you manage that <laughs> time-wise. <laughs> Somehow, some way. Um, I worked at Habitat for Humanity in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, that was a great experience. I was a construction intern. So it wasn't nitty gritty engineering design per se, but I had the opportunity to learn CAD, um, which ended up being hugely beneficial to me in the two jobs that my two full-time jobs that I have now. And it also helped me get my next internship, but I loved working at Habitat because I love Fort Worth. I love giving back. So it was very rewarding to work somewhere that, you know, had such a great impact on my hometown. Okay. And then my next internship was uh, in the summer of 2019, when I interned at Southwest Airlines um, at their corporate headquarters in Dallas, Texas. Uh, my role there was a facilities project intern. And when I took that job, I didn't really know exactly what that entailed, but it wasn't a true engineering internship either. It was more of like a architecture and construction internship, but that was also uh, an amazing experience. Uh, it was really cool opportunity to work for a huge company with you know such amazing brand recognition um and I got to work under contractor former contractors project managers former architects that had come to southwest and basically the facilities group their their job was to take on any sort of like asset improvement project so basically airport terminals so we would do any sort of projects on the terminals or any redesign projects. Um, but that, yeah, that was just a great role for me to understand basically how a huge company operates. Um, got to see kind of like a project life cycle, um, better understanding of like how they do cost estimation projection and also more CAD practice, um, asset management and just general communication. So yeah, I loved my time at Southwest Airlines. Yeah. And was there ever a point in time where you're like, man, I could see myself working here after I graduate, or did you kind of learn pretty quickly on that? It wasn't quite exactly what you wanted to do, but definitely a great experience. Uh, you know what? I totally could have seen myself at Southwest Airlines. They just don't do a ton of hiring, especially um, with engineering, or at least at the time that I was there, they weren't really hiring anyone in that group. And the other aspect of it was I would have preferred to move into the actual engineering department and they were doing yeah. a lot of like aircraft engineering, but they weren't doing any aircraft engineering design that, you know, yeah. the aircraft are Boeing. Um, they basically were just maintaining the aircraft and that was uh -huh. something that I couldn't see sustainable for me long-term basically. Yeah, but amazing company culture um fantastic fun place to work I, that's that's basically where how I could see myself working there is it's just a, an amazing company but other than that as far as engineering goes it just wasn't the right timing and ultimately probably wasn't what I could see myself doing in the long run yeah and, and from from that experience you talked about culture so how important it was culture for you whenever you were looking for the jobs that you mentioned in your timeline and where did that fall on the, I guess, the rankings, the things that were most important to you when picking a place to consider working at? That, that's a good question for me, because I feel like culture, from, from my Southwest experience, culture really rose to the top of 
my wish list and I was looking for a job. And I, when I was about to graduate and was looking um, at places to work, um, I took that search very, very seriously. I did a ton of research. I, like I said, I'm from Fort Worth and I pretty much only interviewed at DFW, MEP companies. And I, you know, Fort Worth is a small, big town. I asked around, I had all sorts of people that I knew that had experiences with the companies that I was interviewing at. And for me, it totally was all about culture. Like, wow, do people stay at this company? Wow, do people like to show up to work every day? Yeah. You know, yeah. is, is the work worth it because of the people you know, that you're working for and working with. Uh, to me that, yeah, that totally rose to the top. And I would say working at Southwest Airlines played a key factor in that being a priority for me. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I think I line up the same way for me. Like I never really saw myself going into construction, but I don't mm. really, I mean, I don't really care because <laughs> the most important th- thing to me is do I enjoy going to work? And, and one of the best, biggest parts about that is, is the people that I work with. So I, I definitely understand exactly what you're talking about. And the other reason why I asked that is because my company's internship program basically spent half of our time just kind of getting us to understand the culture and and helping us understand for ourselves what about company culture was important to us, which I I thought was so cool. Um, Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's why that creates reputable. Yeah, yeah. All right. And then, so we got the internships, unless I missed any, are there any more or is that the, the two main ones? Those are, those are my two. All right. And then the last step in your timeline, you kind of hinted at earlier, you're at TCU, but before that you were at Trinity with me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so talk, give a brief kind of um, synopsis of, of what it was like to transfer. And I think sure. I have some questions lined up for you later about that. Sure. Yeah. So Trinity, I I went to Trinity in San Antonio, small liberal arts school. That was my big thing. Trinity was totally perfect for me on paper. I wanted to be in a new city, a big city, not too far from home. San Antonio was perfect in that regard. I really wanted a small school so I could, you know, have a personal connection with my professors and my peers. And I want a liberal arts school because I enjoy, I, I think, you know, a well-rounded education is an amazing thing. So yeah. um, I went to Trinity. I was a cross-country and track athlete. Um, I was really involved in Trinity. I did SWE there and student government for a minute. Um, and I enjoyed all of that, but yeah. I, I don't know. You know what? Like I said, Trinity was perfect for me on paper, but as I transitioned and being upperclassmen something was just kind of missing for me and I never even thought about leaving because I'm kind of a you know like I made this commitment I'm going to stick it out and then I kind of realized you know what you pay for school it's not a it's not a commitment (laughs) it's it's your education so I decided to try something new I moved back home and transferred to TCU in Fort Worth um, which is another small it's larger than Trinity but relative relatively speaking compared to an A&M or a UT it's a small school it's a liberal arts school and yeah I, I had a great transition because Trinity and TCU's engineering curriculum are pretty similar so um in the engineering department that was a good transition for me but it, it was a lot of work it was a lot of work yeah yeah so looking back to that time was there was there anything that you would have 
done differently or any advice that you have for somebody that's thinking about like that's like uh in the process of or thinking about transferring universities in general or for engineering um as far as things i would do differently i actually would not do anything differently but that is because i did a ton of research so if you're thinking about doing any sort of transfer you need to put in the work and you need to probably print out, you know, the course requirements and what classes you have taken and what classes you need to fulfill, especially, I feel like this is not terribly applicable or as applicable if you're, you know, transferring between state schools or public institutions, yeah. but at liberal art or like, you know, private schools, private universities, liberal arts schools, especially where they have all kinds of, you know, humanities and yep. social, class, you know, yeah. I don't even wow I'm getting a little bit of flashbacks to all the requirements that you have to fulfill but when there's a lot of classes that you simply have to take for kind of bureaucratic reasons because you decide to go to that school you need to know exactly what you have and what you need to have to graduate and I researched that to death I did a ton of research into what it what it would take to transfer to TCU what it would cost when I could graduate, what classes I would need to take, how many hours I would need to take each semester. So if you do not do that work, you will probably look back and say, I wish I put in more time in making that decision. But that is why I, I don't really have anything I would change because I am kind of a psycho planner and really emphasize, you know, what I needed to do. I mean, transferring is a big decision. I'm yeah. fortunate. My parents really wanted me to be where I would you know, be able to grow and learn my best. So that was a huge advantage for me. Um, but yeah, I just, I encourage, I guess the other thing I would want to say to someone who is transferring is to, as soon as you decide where you're going to go, reach out to the head of the department, whatever you're studying, whatever college you're in, um, reach out to the head of that department, just say, hey, just want to let you know I'm coming in. I'm a junior, sophomore, senior, whatever and um would love to like stop by and say hi if you have a moment i just to me i did that and that made the biggest difference ever yeah. and i went to like i said i went to a small school which is tcu and i ended up meeting with the head of my department and he kind of let the other professors know i was coming and so then when i got to all my classes they knew i was coming and i mean i don't know if you get that experience at anywhere but a small private school just because that's the only experience i have but that made such a big difference because it, it's, it's challenging. It's a little intimidating coming into a new environment and to have the people that, you know, are supposed to be helping you learn, know what you're going through makes a big difference. Yeah. So I guess this kind of transitions pretty well into one of my questions. So can you give the pitch for TCU engineering? Like what about your education that you had at TCU really prepared you well for your career? And then if somebody's considering going to TCU for engineering, why should they go? And um, is there anything about what they do well that um, is also something that's really important for prospective students to consider whenever they're choosing between colleges or engineering programs? You know, Daniel, this is, this is what I'm good for. Um, you're, you're coming to the right person. TCU owes me, owes me big time. Oh uh, yeah. I like <laughs> I like TCU so much that two of my younger siblings actually followed me there and 
My brother is a mechanical engineering student at TCU right now, has the same advisor as me. So um, yeah, my pitch about TCU would be that Fort Worth is the best city you could ever live in, ever. Agreed. (laughs) (laughs) And um, what's special about TCU engineering in specific is the professors were totally, and I, I hope that always remains the same. I hope that those words still carry that same weight for anyone listening to this podcast moving forward. Um, I had the best professors ever. I mean, like I said, when I was new, I took a really overwhelming course load and did that internship and that was way too much to take on. But I just remember I was totally brand new. It seemed like everyone already knew each other and had friends to study with. And I just remember multiple professors coming up to me after like the first exam and being like, I know you had another exam today. Like, how did it go? Like, what did you think of that exam? Do you think it was pretty fair? Like, you know, come see me if you ever need to chat about anything. It was just, it was exactly what I needed at that time. And that stayed true throughout my two and a half years at TCU. And, or like another example, I did not as well as I would have liked in an uh, electrical engineering class that I won't name. And I was so embarrassed that I, I know I was so embarrassed that I didn't do very well. And then flash forward a year, a year and a half, and we were doing our senior design presentations. And I felt like I did a pretty good job um, presenting our project. And the professor of that class that I didn't do very well in came up to me afterwards and was like, I'm so proud of you you have grown so much. You did an amazing job. And that person, it just, it meant the world to me. So if you're looking for a personalized engineering education, where you feel accountable to do your best, even when you don't feel like doing your best, because there will be those moments, you will feel like, you know what, I love Dr. So-and-so I need to, I need to show up. I need to give my best in this lab. I need to really turn in the best report. I really need to go to their office hours. I need to start this homework early so that I know what questions to ask. That made a huge difference um, in my education. And I was so happy. And my brother saw how happy I was. And he decided to go to TCU and study mechanical engineering too. So That is awesome. And so, so whenever somebody else is evaluating a university, like what is the number one thing that they should, I guess, what is the number one thing that, that they should look for? Hmm. Uh, you know what? At the end of the day, maybe this is me being a new person in the workforce, a little cynical, but at the end of the day, this is the one point I do want to emphasize too, is that um, pursuing a higher education is a, a big challenge and not something to take lightly. And there's not one correct path. Um, yeah. Take it from me. Um, I think I, I hope that people are starting to move away from the idea that you have to be, you know, do everything perfectly and know exactly what you want to study and get in and out in four years and pick your perfect school and everything all works out perfectly. I don't, I think that's not the case for more people than you'd imagine. And so there's no one right way to do school, but whatever way that you end up doing is your right path. So I think the number one thing to look for is, is this school reasonable for you cost-wise, 
Um, do you feel like you'll be able to learn and grow personally and pre-professionally? Because I mean, yeah. in my mind, that's the point of going to school is to be able to get the job that you want yeah. or, or feel like you could always end up with a job that you want, even if yeah. you don't start off that way, you know? Yeah. So I think thinking of school as an investment in yourself um, is the biggest thing that I would advocate for prospective students to do, which I don't even know if that's great advice because when you're 17 years old, how, how are you to know what, what the best investment in yourself is? Yeah. I, I guess just try and be true to yourself and genuine to you and, and understand what makes you thrive and what you struggle with and think, where can I grow and where can I set myself up to be the best version of me? Yeah, that's awesome. So, so I, people have this, this mindset around universities, right? Where they're like, they want to go to the most quote unquote prestigious or highly ranked in X or highly ranked in Y mm -hmm. university. Yeah. I, I'm wondering how many people in your day-to-day -day work life ask you where you went to university? Uh, nobody, no, nobody professionally. I mean, yeah, nobody, uh, does anybody care? <laughs> I, you know, maybe in, and I can't speak for other industries, maybe in business and yeah, med the medical field or sales, or I don't know, that matters more. I think in engineering, um, you got hired, so you're here to do what you're here to do. Yeah. And I will say, um, school I graduated from and the school I transferred from, Neither of them uh, are thought of as engineering schools, but I mean, my classmates work at Lockheed Martin and Bell Helicopter and work for lots of cool engineering design firms. And a lot of people go to graduate school and yeah. have the exact same success that they would have if they had gone to UT Arlington, UTSA, Tarleton, yeah. A&M, A&M Corpus Christi, whatever school, you know. Yeah you'll you'll end up where you need to be if you treat school like an investment in yourself yeah that's that's awesome so so you talked about your peers and and what they're mm -hmm. up to but i'm curious now what kind of college student were you um i was a work in progress <laughs> <laughs> i was in the process of investing in myself um that's my buzzword for this podcast i like it so, <laughs> I um, came from high school feeling really confident and self-assured. I felt like I was really intelligent and I was a perfect person to study engineering because <laughs> I thought I was really smart. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I am pretty smart, but you also have to um, really give it your all. It's no joke. Um, and so I was really learning. How, this, when I started studying engineering was the first time I really needed to try really really hard and so yeah. for for about two years I was learning how to try really really hard and yeah. then something just kind of clicked and I really figured it out um I, I also think that it correlates a little bit too I started to like my upper division classes yeah. a lot more you know yeah no they're, they're much more fun than you know hello this is a box see what exactly. can happen to this box no like it's pretty cool to learn about heat transfer and stuff like that right yes yeah I, I enjoyed that much more so yeah no my junior and senior and super senior semesters were 
uh, I do think there's a correlation here too, a lot more fulfilling the more yeah. that I tried and the more that I wanted to get, really get something out of the courses and really speak with my professors about where I'm struggling with and what I enjoy and where I could see myself using these things moving forward. So yeah, that's, that's uh, it was a really fulfilling process. It was painful at times. It was hard to fail. Um, it was hard. The, the growing pains were definitely there, but it was the most rewarding experience. When I walked across the stage to graduate, I was so proud of myself. So. Yeah, you should be. I mean, I think well, engineering is hard. You know, <laughs> they have that the, the saying that, you know, look to your left, look to your right. But nobody actually said that to us, but that's basically true, right? Yeah. I mean, most of the people we know that started engineering didn't finish. And so that's, that's a major accomplishment. So, so going, you know, talking about your time in college, what, what was your experience in college as a, I mean, we're talking about one third, I think at Trinity is one third of the engineering students were women. So what was your experience in college being kind of in the minority gender-wise, and has it changed at all since entering the workforce? Hmm, yeah, um, you know what, I, I've i been so fortunate when I was at Trinity, um, I, my peers were awesome. Um, I did not necessarily, I definitely felt like a minority, but it didn't make me feel less than because of the people I was studying with, and same at TCU, there's yeah. totally a notice, noticeable gap, um, but at this, but I felt respected, and um, you know, people felt like I was there to learn. Good. And then, like I said, I, I did. That. Thank you. Yeah, um, you're part of that, so I appreciate you. But um, then, you know, like I said, I did a ton of research into my first full-time job, and I felt very comfortable um taking that job as I had just heard you know it's a great place to work yeah and that ended up being true um there also this helped a ton I my like I said I had a good relationship with my professors and they put me in contact with some female engineers who were in that industry and I was able to interview with um a female principal of a of an MEP firm she was the majority stakeholder that was uh, one of the best experiences of my life she was a mom of three um also a former college athlete it just it was really inspiring for me and then at the I didn't end up taking that job the job I did end up taking there was a TCU alum as well who's a female who had been working there for forever and I got to speak with her before I took that role and so I just knew that that place was going to be a great fit as well um and yeah, I was the one of the only females there on my team. Is definitely a yeah. huge minority, but again, you know, they always like put me on projects and included me on things, and everyone was super helpful and nice. And then my current role, I actually am the only female engineer in the Houston office. There are some wow. other females. Yeah, yeah. There's um, four other five. Uh, no, there's six other male engineers that I work with and a male um, engineering assistant that I work with uh, in the Houston office. And then we've got some female engineers in our California offices, but yeah, I'm the only 
female in the Houston office. Um, and I, the job that I currently have, I did not, I was not able to do a ton of research into. This is kind of a leap of faith for me. So I was, that was the number one thing I was most worried about. I was like, will I feel uncomfortable? What will these guys be like? Um, will they treat me right? What will I do if something's uncomfortable? Um, but I work with, again, excellent guys. So I've been fortunate. I, I am so lucky to say that I don't really have any bad experiences as a woman in, in STEM, but like I just alluded to, it is still at the forefront of my mind. Um, yeah. when I'm in a new situation, how will I be treated, will yeah. I be able to stand up for myself in the way that I know I should as yeah. a professional? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'll say that, I mean, I, I at least don't think I've witnessed it in my professional career either. And I don't think I've witnessed it as much. I don't, I don't think I've specifically witnessed a moment in my academic career either where I was like, wow, that was, uh, yeah. though maybe, maybe, maybe you did and, and, and maybe I missed it. But um, yeah, I think that, that, I mean, for the most part, universities are really conscious about that. And uh, if it's a good company, then they're pretty conscious about that as well. Yeah. Totally. Totally. So I would just say, I guess for anyone listening, um, you know, if you do encounter something that makes you uncomfortable or someone speaks down to you, I guess my number one advice would be, you know, a job is a job, but your dignity is very, very valuable. Um, So don't feel, don't feel stuck. And the number one advice I would give is find a female engineer to reach out to and talk with and ask for their advice um, and say, you know, this happened to me. Have, has anything like this happened to you? How would you handle this? Yeah. What has your, your experience been? And one last thing, it's not, it's never too late to bring something up and say, say to yeah. a superior, Hey, someone said this, it made me really uncomfortable. And yeah. I just, I just thought this should be, brought to your attention it's never too yeah. late even if it happened a week ago a month ago a yeah. year ago it's it's not vindictive it's appropriate and you're a professional and should be treated as such so yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. and then what about advice for any high school aged or, or younger people that are kind of in the pondering stages of considering engineering any advice for them uh, similar advice to what I just gave. Um, if you are in high school or college, um, I would, and you're interested in engineering in any capacity, um, find find a female engineer and and talk to her. Um, ask her to grab coffee. Ask her to go to lunch or a phone call. Any anything you can do to talk to someone who has maybe had similar questions or similar dreams and aspirations to you. Um, if you're interested in being a mom someday, ask if they had any similar dreams to you in that regard and how they handle that, Um, you know, or, or, you know, challenge yourself to like take a coding class or a challenging math class, because if those aren't really your strong suit, but you think you want to be an engineer someday, you totally still can. And you're going to have to take challenging classes so you know try try and challenge yourself to be like okay you know this is what it's going to be like to really push myself academically and this is what it takes to pursue a career in this field 
Um, those would be my biggest pieces of advice. Cause I think in high school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I didn't really necessarily push myself a ton in the STEM field. Um, yeah. and that's why college was a bit of a shock to me. So, yeah. Thank you. And, um, so now, so we talked a lot about college there. Let's kind of come back a little bit towards what you do now. So what class from college do you find the most applicable for what you do now? And then we can't, I don't know if we did it. Did we, did you kind of go over the day-to-day of what you do or, uh, uh, then after that, if you kind of go into your day-to-day. Sure. Okay. So classes from college that are applicable would be all every lab I took. Um, yeah, my lab. current role, yeah, <laughs> my current role, um, I do uh, taking a lot of data and then processing and analyzing that data and communicating it to a client. Um, yeah. I'm in I'm in the consulting world and I I was in my last job as well at the MEP firm and consultants. You know, we're a consulting engineer firm, but we're in the business of client services. Um, you ultimately are trying to solve a client's problem, give them yeah. what they want and give yeah. them what they're paying for. So to be able to communicate uh, a technical task that you completed and the data that you got from it is, I guess, the most valuable thing, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Do, so, you, do you do a lot of writing? I do a lot of writing and you know that I like to write. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> so I, yeah, uh, technical writing, um, that was a big plus for me when I took this job. Um, and, and so I do a lot of corrosion, uh, work and I do use a lot of CAD still. Um, interestingly enough, uh, the way the technical term is cathodic protection is how we protect these pipelines from corrosion. Yeah. And that field involves kind of some electrical and chemical background. Um, so actually uh, circuits and electronics and electromechanics kind of rear its ugly head in my day to day. And then we also do odor control work um, and we run a pretty interesting fan test to kind of uh, depressurize sewer system. So that involves a little bit of thermodynamics. Um, and then in, wow. the flow monitor, in the flow monitoring world, um, fluid dynamics um, plays a little role there too. So uh, you know what? A lot, of my, a lot of my classes are a bit applicable. So I like that. Yeah. Now, now how much of the, now your classes are applicable, applicable, but how much of the stuff that you do on the job are things that you've learned on the job versus like things you learned mm-hmm. in college, like, uh, this is the equation. I have to apply this equation. I have to solve this problem. Uh, you know what? A lot of it is learned on the job or like a little yeah. bit of a refresher. And the nice thing is, you know, uh, you, if you need any sort of specialized knowledge, you'll take some sort of continuing education or a specific yeah. certification class. So, um, that helps too. So it's more like, oh yes, I remember learning this. Um, yeah. here, here's a specific application and let me get yeah. specialized in this basically. Yeah, man. Well, it sounds like the, I mean, kind of a, a, a shout out to TCU and a shout out to other multidiscipline engineering schools where you're kind of <laughs> challenged to do multiple things. It's, it sounds like it's uh, very valuable to kind of have a ba- even though you're a mechanical your, your background in circuits and electronics and electromechanics sounds like it was really important as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, so, so going into kind of what you do on a regular basis, what is your, your kind of day to day look like? So my job, uh, you know what, when I applied to this job, it was advertised as about 50, 50 field work and office work. And that has proven to be true, uh, which I, I enjoy. Um, it definitely keeps the weeks moving by fast. I feel like I'm always learning and being in, put in a position to learn. That's awesome. Um, my day-to-day is a lot of support for project engineers. Um, so going out into the field, collecting data, bringing it back, ha- having someone kind of guide me through what we do to analyze it. And then, yeah. you know, once I've done a, a field task and corresponding data work, then I kind of, you know, move on and do it on my own. Yeah. Um, CAD work, um, corrosion design. That's been really interesting. Um, yeah. They have been kind to me and have given, given me opportunities in pretty much all of our um, five service lines. So that's been really interesting. It, yeah, it just, it moves at a, at a great pace. Um, yeah. I really enjoy consulting engineering and that, that was similar to my last role as well. Yeah, that's I mean, that's pretty awesome. So, so what do you like most about, about your job in in that day-to-day and, and what do you find the most challenging about that? Uh, I've, well, number one, I find the work genuinely interesting. Um, yeah. I like, I like feeling like I'm using my degree, even if yeah. it's just to you know, even if it's not solving it, sitting down and solving a problem, yeah, yeah, like a math, like a math problem, it's, you know, making a decision, um, yeah. based on what's in front of you and, yeah. you know, kind of analyzing a set of parameters and saying, okay, here's the best course. Um, the other thing I like the most about my job is, um, you, you get to see the projects start to completion. I, I find yeah. that rewarding. Um, it was that way in the MEP, uh, world as well um i i just i think that's something that people might take for granted and when you get into engineering you kind of might not know if if you'll be able to see that at your company that you take your first job at and i've been fortunate to be able to say like oh i was on this from kickoff and i got to see it through construction and do the final check so that was that i really enjoy that about um, my job as far as what's challenging um yeah just being able to make decisions on the fly um especially when you're young and you're learning like I am I don't don't have uh, a breadth of experience but when I'm out there and with you know a PE who is making a decision on the fly I really am trying to be cognizant of like what they're looking at and what Mm -hmm. causes what leads them to the decision that they ultimately come to um just trying to train myself mentally to be like, okay, what's going on? What should be happening versus what is happening? How do I make what's supposed to happen happen? Yeah. And what decisions ultimately going to best serve the client, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I know that. Yeah. I feel like the, the challenging part of the job is also sometimes most, the most rewarding part. Right. Cause you're like, yeah, you're, like, you're talking about earlier. You're like, man, I got to use my degree. Every, each time I get to, each time I get to use my degree, I'm like, 
oh man, that was worth it. Like all those late hours and all that suffering. I'm a real engineer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, you are, I'm not, but that's a, that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> so, so talking about challenges there, there's another challenge that you overcame very recently that is something that a lot of younger engineers um, can relate to something that people might be in this boat right now is that you as basically not entry level, but, you know, less experienced engineer, you had, you had like one year of experience under your belt, basically working full-time or no, I had three months. <laughs> three, oh, you had three months of, okay. You had three months of work experience under your belt for of a full-time job. And then you ended up finding a new job in the midst of the pandemic in a completely different city. How did you do that? that yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> when you, when you put it like that, yeah. it's kind of good. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's the as impressive of a thing of, as I'll probably interview anybody about on this podcast, to be honest. <laughs> you know what? Um, I, I was in a pretty lucky position um, when the pandemic hit. I was living at home with my parents. So that uh, financially was lucky for me. So all of my time and resources were able to go into finding something new. Um, I had no idea what my new job would look like or what I was even really going for. I was just trying to go for something. I knew that I wanted to move to Houston um, on a personal level. So that's yeah. what really drove my job search. Uh, the bad thing about looking for a job in Houston was not only that we're in the midst of a pandemic and no one was hiring, uh, is that oil and gas was uh, yeah. less than good. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, and, yeah. And Houston is uh, an oil and gas place, if, if you will. So yeah. um, my for a long time, my job search was a little fruitless. And um, I just tried to be as disciplined about it as I could. I tried to think like, what, what could I do to make myself more marketable? And ultimately my strategy was just like, I would set a timer basically, uh, or set an alarm and I would look at LinkedIn and Glassdoor and Indeed and whatever, um, and like the unemployment website and at like 8 a.m. noon, 3 p.m. and 8 p.m. And I would just, wow. I know I would update them I was, I mean, that was my, my main focus was trying to find something and I was open to kind of anything. I mean, obviously most of my experience was in, um, MEP work. So I was targeting those firms primarily. Um, and then I had a few things like some glimmers of hope and then kind of nothing. And so basically I, I also called, anyone that I talked to in my first job search and just said, Hey, I'm, I'm looking for something in Houston, you know, yeah. do you know, anyone, do you know of anything, anyone that you would recommend I would reach out to? I know the times are a little tough or things are very yeah. unknown, but I, I called and emailed all my professors at TCU and said, Hey, wow. do you know anyone in Houston? Um, so they, you know, tried to help me out. And ultimately I found my current position on LinkedIn uh, it was a great stroke of luck. They, um, I think we're just trying to, you know, start getting more aggressive with hiring via LinkedIn and it worked out for me. Um, and 
yeah, I think I mentioned that, you know, my past job searches, I was really, really trying to find like the perfect best fit. And this job, I didn't know anyone at this company. It's, it's a small yeah. company. And I don't really know anyone in wastewater or water engineering. Um, so yeah, and I didn't really know anything about the industry. I just basically read the, you know, job post said, this sounds pretty interesting. And I think I'm qualified and got an interview and I was very honest and genuine and said, this is what I have been doing. I have X amount of experience, um, but I'm interested in this position. I like consulting engineering and um, it worked out. So that, that was uh, very fortunate and I'm very lucky that the job has been really good for me, so. Yeah, and I mean, that's, that's kind of like a, a pretty big leap of faith though there, right? Yeah. Changing, uh, stealing from your notes here, but it's, it's changing industries. I mean, what was that like? You know, the, the transition was pretty smooth and I feel like part of that is because I'm really young and- yeah you know, when they put out the job posting, they were looking for a, a new graduate and I was almost completely a new graduate. So yeah, I, I, I didn't need, you know, years of technical experience. Yeah. Um, they, so my dad always says you, your degree, when you get hired by, by a company, you know, right out of college, you're pretty much worthless to them. Your degree just shows that you know how to learn. And I kind yeah. of feel like, that ended up being true for both my first jobs. Um, they just wanted someone that was hardworking and yeah. um, clearly dedicated to learning and um, really wanted to contribute to the company in a meaningful way. And I think I saw that role decently. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, from what I know about you, I know that you definitely fill that role decently. Oh, thanks, Daniel. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. So. Reaching this point in your career, somebody that's, you know, you've been through, I'd say you, you, you talked about path, right? So you, everybody yeah. has their own path and you've had, I would say, a very fun path or adventurous or it was an adventurous path, um, but I think a good one. Were there any key moments or key decision points? I mean, we've talked about all, we, we, I mean, the whole thing we've been talking about his timeline this whole time. That's all we've been talking about, but were there any key decision points at all that you can point to that helps you get to this point where you are now, where you feel like you're in a job that's fulfilling in the location you want to be in and in the industry that you are starting to find yourself to enjoy. I mean, this is, I'd say that it's, you're in a very accomplished position for your career. So was there anything that was key for you to get to that point? Well, thanks, Daniel. Um, I think the the number one thing that has kind of guided me to where I am and led me on a path to where I feel like everywhere that I've worked, I've been grateful to work there is that I really do try and put myself first professionally. Um, my parents were big on that. You know, when you take a job, you know, you're there to work hard, but you're also yeah. there to grow yourself. Um, I really feel like that's been a guiding principle for me and, you know, I'm not advocating for anyone to be a selfish person. Um, Some people are, you know, <laughs> I, but putting yourself first can mean, you know, like being a great yeah. team, team member, because yeah. if you're a great team member, then people are going to count on you. And when people count on you, you, 
want to rise to the occasion. So you're going to grow and push yourself. Um, And when you put yourself first, you, you know, understand your value. And when you feel valuable, you want to output value and that's going to help you be the best professional that you can be. So I think putting myself first has kind of led me on the path that I'm on because I have prioritized my own growth and, and chosen to work, you know, for companies that I felt like would treat me right and value me and the work that I can do. And, you know, sometimes it has led me to, like, like I said, I keep saying this, but the first time I was looking for a full-time job, oh my gosh, I was so stressed because I had some really good options. And I I was like, which one's going to be the right one? And what am I going to do? But ultimately I put my wants and needs first. I wanted to stay in Fort Worth at that time. And that led me to choose my job and it worked out awesome. So I, I think when you put yourself first as a guiding principle, you're more likely to, you know, have a successful outcome, um, in your work life. And the other thing that I've done that I think has impacted my career really positively is to really, uh, capitalize on the personal connections and resources, um, that I've been fortunate to form. Um, and a lot of it's been through school. Um, I don't, I don't really like the whole, it's not, you know, what, you know, it's who, you know, that's not what I'm trying to get across. Um, what I'm trying to say is when, when you put yourself out there, um, you, you could meet someone that will say, Hey, Oh, Daniel, uh, I know someone that's looking for this. Um, maybe you should reach out to them, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. So like I got my Habitat for Humanity internship through a student organization at TCU. It was like a co-op thing where you work for a nonprofit and they happen to have one that was kind of suitable for engineering. So I put myself out there for that. That's awesome. And I applied to Southwest Airlines because a friend of mine at TCU had worked for them the summer prior and she had a great time. It was an amazing experience. And I decided to go for it. So that I just was like, oh, she had a good time. I'll, you know, give it a try too. Um, and like I said, I was involved in the community in Fort Worth. So I had, I knew people that I knew from school and church and babysitting and stuff who had had work experience with some of the companies that I was interviewing with and they were able to say, yeah, that's an amazing place. Oh, that guy, the principal is an awesome guy. If you're going to work on his team, you're yeah. going to be really happy. That's so, awesome. or, or like when I wasn't sure like what field I wanted to go into, I just asked a professor, Hey, do you know any female engineers who are working right now and will be interested in chatting with me? And they said, yeah, I'll give you her number. I'll give you her email. And I was oh, able wow. to set it. And I, and I never, you know, ended up working for or with that person, yeah. but they were an amazing resource for me. Nonetheless, it doesn't always have to be about like getting something out of it, like yeah. money wise or, or job wise. It can just be like, wow, I, I established a great connection there and they had a perspective that I really appreciated hearing, you know? So that, that has, that's a big piece of advice that I would give to anyone. Um, and you know what people, uh, as this podcast affirms, people like to talk about themselves. So, <laughs> yeah. so, so, you know, the worst thing that can happen if you reach out to someone and say, Hey, can I hear about what you do? I'm really interested. 
they'll say no. And the best thing that can happen is they'll talk your ear off and you'll be like, yeah. oh my gosh, why did I reach out in the first place? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> No, I, I love it. I mean, this is this is my favorite thing. I mean, you and I, I think, are very similar in this regard. Is we're talking to people about their careers for me is super exciting, and and learning from people. And and yeah, you never know what you'll get out of the connection, but you also never get anything out of the connection if you don't put yourself out there and, and at least talk to people. I remember I did, I did something similar. I met somebody at a Trinity alumni event and then she happened to work for, uh, I think it was a uh, uh, forensics uh, consulting firm. And I thought that was oh, so cool. cool. Yeah. yeah. And she was like, yeah, we're not hiring anybody that comes out of college. All of the, our consultants are like experienced engineers, but come and come and you're more than welcome to come talk, talk to the guys. So I, I had a great conversation and I got to learn a lot about that industry. And I, still kind of connect with those people today. And yeah, I think that yeah, even if it doesn't directly result in like a job offer or an op opportunity to apply for something, it doesn't mean that it's not a valuable connection. And I'm really glad that you shared that. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. All right. So I think we've worked our way pretty well through all these questions. So I guess I have just one closing question is, um, any final advice that you'd have for somebody um, from your experiences? I guess I was going to say for any students in high school, but we already kind of said that earlier for, for girls in high school. But in general, any advice for somebody that um, wants to have a career in engineering and um, just or they might be struggling with their, their college time in engineering or they're just uh, unsure right now? Any advice that you have for them? Yes, I remember when I was a freshman, like I said, I was I had a hard time in school in the early years. And I just remember um, getting in a car to go somewhere with this group of girls and there were three senior engineering students at Trinity. And they were they were about to graduate. And I just remember saying like, oh, you're so lucky you're almost done. I'm so far away. And they said, don't quit. I promise you don't quit. It's worth it. So my advice and you know what? I, I honestly thought of them every time I thought about quitting. I would think, really? yes, I would always think, don't quit. Like they, they made it and they said, don't quit. So just keep going. So my advice for anyone thinking about doing any sort of challenging major, but engineering in particular, or anyone who's struggling right now or not sure, I'll just say this. I won't force the issue on you, but if you are dreaming of going to work every day and it being engaging and stimulating work, stick it out. A, a degree in engineering will open so many doors for you. And my mom always says, engineer, an engineering degree offers you credibility that nobody can take away from you. You can always say, I'm Emma Burbeck and I'm a mechanical engineer. And people yeah. always say, wow, congrats. You, you can, <laughs> and they do. Yeah. You can go and you can go into any field that you want to go into. You can go to graduate school. You can go to medical school. You can go to law school. You can go right into the industry and make, make some money. It is what you make of it. And if you're feeling down on yourself, stick it out. There's no one true path. You got this. I made it. You can too. 
Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Thank you, Emma. That was, that was really good. And I, I really that appreciate that. Yeah, no, it was. And and then those girls, I'm glad that they were insp- inspirational to you. Do you want to give them a shout out or uh, any other people uh, that helped you get to this point now? You want to shout them out? Um, oh my gosh. Yes. I'll, I'll give the, the shout out to uh, Michaela McDonald. She's the number one person saying don't quit Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, in that car. Uh, the, the number one people in my life that said don't quit would be my mom and dad. Um, yeah. That was my mom and dad. And all the amazing people I've been fortunate to study with and work with, you included. Awesome. Thank you. I mean, thank you. I mean, I would say that I'm honored to be included in that list. I think that I have the <laughs> advantage of being on the podcast with you right now, which is why you probably felt obligated to <laughs> include <No>. me there. <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm really grateful to be able to call you a classmate, a colleague, and a friend. And I'm I'm so grateful that you could join me on this episode of the podcast. And I, I really appreciate you giving your time for this. So thank you so much, Emma. Of course, I'm honored to be on. Thank you, Daniel. Awesome. All right. So I'll uh, go ahead and uh, close out this section of the podcast. We'll have uh, a quick ad break if I have an ad at that point in time. And then we'll go into Ooh. the, yeah. And then we'll go into the general career questions that I pull from Reddit because nobody sends any in yet. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I enjoyed being part of it. I'm very grateful again that Emma took the time to join me for this episode of the podcast. Now, without any further ado, a phrase that I use probably more often than I should, let's go into the career questions section of the podcast. If you want to submit your own career question, submit it to engring.success at gmail.com. Again, that's engr, just like it would show up in your course catalog, ing.success at gmail.com. Our first question today comes from Reddit. It is titled, Is it likely that working towards a specific area of engineering can be achieved? And then they read, I guess they write, We see a lot of threads in this subreddit about what those thinking about engineering as a career want to specialize in. They say things like, I want to be an aerospace engineer. Or they say, I want to work at SpaceX. Of course, what they specify can be anything and, of course, be narrow or very focused. My role just kind of fell on my lap and unfolded nicely into a good career. So my question is, how did your career unfold for you? Did you seek out very specific roles and did they pan out? Or did you just point yourself in the direction you mostly wanted to go and let life take you where it will? I'm very curious about your stories, not because I don't think it is good to plan, but in part that, from my experience, life has a plan of its own. Looking back, I can see how one thing I did led to another without my having made a specific plan. It actually turned out much better than I could have ever imagined as far as careers go. What are your stories in this regard? I really like this question because I think it's applicable to me, regardless of the fact that I am still obviously very early in my career. But for me personally, my goal was always to work in the golf industry. I grew up playing golf. It meant a lot to me. And I always imagined myself doing research and development for a major golf club manufacturer and then having my own pick of the litter at unlimited free golf clubs. And 
the first step I took on this path was I interned for a golf company called the Ben Hogan Golf Company. They were just coming back as a brand after, a, I think I have more than a 10-year hiatus or approximately 10-year hiatus. And I was a database intern for them. I helped them do a database for their online club fitting system. And I'd gather information about different golf clubs and plug them into a database. And I worked for them during my freshman year of college up until they had a bankruptcy and had to restructure. And then after that, I tried to leverage a connection I made with a gentleman who happened to be an engineer at Nike Golf. I grew up in Fort Worth, and one of the driving ranges I grew up practicing at was right next to, actually attached to the same driving range that Nike used for their Nike oven, which was their research and development and test facility where all the pros would come and get fitted. I happened to run into one of the, the lead engineers for their putters. He just happened to be right next to me on the range, and I I don't know if you can tell, but I like to chat people up. And uh, between him and another person I knew who was a friend, a friend's father who also worked there, I was hoping to intern for them the summer after my sophomore year of college. Unfortunately, midway through my sophomore year of college, Nike stopped making golf clubs and they closed that facility. So that did not work out for me the way I had hoped. And after applying for a couple internships for most of the rest of the companies are headquartered in California, in the San Diego area, TaylorMade, Callaway, etc. And then with Ping being in the Scottsdale, Arizona area, I applied for internships, but I didn't really have any connections and it didn't quite work out for me the summer after my sophomore year. So that dream kind of died. I still applied for jobs after I was gra- when I was graduating, but I, I really didn't get any bites. Then the next gre- kind of dream that I had was I wanted to be a technical sales engineer for a company in Texas called, you might have heard of them, Texas Instruments. They're known for their calculators, but they also make a lot of other electronic components and chips and et cetera, et cetera. And I had this idea that I was gonna, going to use my engineering soft skills and my engineering knowledge and I was going to be a sales engineer for them but it really didn't work out it it got to the point that I had a connection with a friend whose father worked there and 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 I asked him you know what I could do to best set myself up and I even flew out to Minnesota to meet with TI at a career fair and basically unfortunately due to the unique name of my degree uh, they were not able to interview me at all for an, a position so that did not work out for me at, either my current career actually kind of just landed in my lap at a dinner uh, like the person who asked the question i agree that life has a plan of its own for me my the way that i got connected to the company i work for now was i last minute signed up to go to a thanksgiving dinner that was hosted at my university by the chapter of SWE, the Society of Women Engineers. And I just happened to end up sitting next to a a younger guy who had just finished his internship and just started working full-time for the company I work at now. And he passed my resume along. And that summer, the summer after my sophomore year, I was was a little bit too late. Uh, I couldn't get an internship that summer, but I was one of the first people in line to apply for an internship the following summer. And I interned for this company the summer after my junior year and then ended up getting a job offer for them 
from them middle of my first semester of my senior year of college so I was really fortunate to be in a position where I had a job offer before even entering my last semester of college and here I am now working that job still. I agree uh, with the question asker that life kind of has a plan of its own. For me, It, I ended up working in an industry, the engineering consulting and construction industry that I had never really imagined myself working in. I always saw myself doing R&D, which I've now learned that a lot of the people that do R&D have graduate degrees and that's I don't really want to get a master's in engineering at the moment, so that wouldn't have even worked out for me in that way. But uh, I, I realized that the geography and, more importantly, the culture of the company was the most important thing to me and that the industry kind of came behind that, though I've also learned to really like the industry I work in. I fortunately had the whole summer that I was an intern for this company to really soak in the culture and, and realize that it was definitely a place that I could see myself working at for an extended period period of time. And I realized that more than anything else, I just wanted to get a job at a place where I felt that I fit and where I felt that I was valued and had an opportunity to, to grow and develop into leadership. And my current employer has followed through for me in that regard ever since I first started for them as an intern, they were one of the very few companies that took the time to actually hear me out on the name of my degree. It's a uh, engineering science. It's a different name, but curriculum wise, it lined up really well with the bachelor's of science in mechanical engineers, mechanical engineering, and it's a ABIT accredited degree. I am an engineer in training and I'm eligible to become a professional engineer. And and then beyond that, they, they were like, oh, and so what set you apart? And then I, once I explained what the unique things about our program that I convinced me to choose the program in the first place, they're like, yeah, that's awesome. That's exactly what we need in engineer. We need somebody who is comfortable working in teams and working on projects and has good soft skills on top of their technical knowledge base they learn in an engineering program. So I say that all to say that, yes, just like you, my career went in a completely different direction than I imagined it ever would. The second question, also from Reddit, is, I received a job offer with a salary way better than mine. How could I ask my current boss to follow this offer so that I can stay? The question further reads, I currently work for a small engineering company in my hometown. I like my job and I have a good position. My workplace is near my home, and I like the project I'm working on. But since the company is small, the salary has never been great considering the kind of diploma, job, and age I have. PhD, 32, manager level. It never appealed to me to make a lot of money and drive a Mercedes. Very specific for somebody who it never appealed to. And since I have a good equilibrium between work and family, it never bothered me too much. Until the day at a conference, I met a guy who works in a big multinational company. We discussed about our current projects and I showed him a bit the work I was doing since he looked interested. Anyways, long story short, a few times later, he called me again, telling me he wants to do a video call with his boss and that I should present him a bit of my work. The boss was also interested and at the end of the meeting, he told me that he would like me to work for him. At the beginning, I denied since I'm good at my job. But then he came back with an offer. 
difficult to not take a moment to think about it. In summary, he was proposing more than double my current salary. So now I am hesitating. I would like to find the good word to tell the truth to my current boss and ask him if he could at least give me a significant raise in order to stay since I do like my current position. I also know that I have a career to develop and that this opportunity may never come back. What would you tell to your boss? Should I accept that offer and leave him no choice? So my first question to you is, are you underpaid? Because it sounds like it. What I would do first is research your role in the market and see if you in fact are underpaid. In the US, we use Glassdoor. I don't know where you are, but in the US, we use Glassdoor. And we can get salary ranges for different companies, different positions, different industries in our city, in our state, in our geographical area. And if you do really like your current job and want to continue doing that job, but think you are underpaid, you can take that data that you accumulate and approach your boss and simply ask for a raise. And you say, hey, I would like to have a raise that's consistent with a competitive salary. And you don't even have to mention this opportunity. You could just think of this as the moment that you realize that you're underpaid. (laughs) Now, if you are, in fact, underpaid, and they are still unwilling to give you a raise, you probably need to leave the company regardless and consider taking the other offer from this company that you've mentioned or another company. You might need to start looking for other jobs. But if you do realize that maybe you'd consider this offer, then my second question to you is, is this really a job that you'd be willing to take? Is it a job that you'd be excited to take? If so, you need to go into the conversation with your boss anticipating that there is a good chance that you will in fact end up taking this new role because the absolute worst case scenario is you going to your boss, bringing up this other job, getting denied the raise, and then still staying. So you asked what you'd say, what I'd say, or what you should say to your boss if you mentioned this opportunity. Well, if I was in your position, the first thing I'd do is I'd be polite and let my employer know that I enjoy my job, but I have been approached about a new opportunity that pays significantly higher and I've done research and I think that I deserve to be paid a, a the market salary wage that is consistent with this job. Let them know that, that although you enjoy your current role, as you've mentioned, the significant salary disparity has you considering taking that offer. But again, you've enjoyed working for them. And in this instance, be again, be in the inst- you can give them the opportunity to match, you can say it, or you can just say that you're taking this other job. And regardless, by approaching them this way without first just handing in your two weeks notice, as we call it in the U.S., I don't know if you're required to give notice to your employers, but in the U.S. we're generally required to give two weeks. So by just approaching them this way without resigning, you're giving them the opportunity to match. But in the instance that they cannot match, you do have to be prepared to take that new offer and make to work and go work for that other company. So if that's the case, you need to absolutely make sure 
that you have the offer from the other company in writing, maybe even in the form of an offer letter. And even if you can get them to sign it, get them to sign it and, and make it binding. So that that way, before you go into the conversation, you know that you have this other opportunity waiting for you on the other end. Because another worst case scenario is you accepting the other job, then resigning from your current job, and then having this new opportunity yanked from under you because it wasn't as guaranteed of an offer as they made it sound to be. And next thing you know it, you're almost going to, you're going to be without a job. So again, as a recap, first research and see whether or not you're underpaid. Reach out to your employer and simply let them know that you believe according to market wages that you're underpaid and that you would like to ask for a raise. That is if you want, it would consider staying at the company. The alternative is bringing up this other offer and if you would be willing to take this offer, going into the conversation with the expectation that there's a good chance that you'll end up taking this other offer and leaving your current company. And last but not least, remember to make sure that you have the offer in writing and hopefully if you can get it signed by the employer, guaranteeing that you will have another job in the instance that you resign from your current job. So those are my advice points to your question. There are other a couple of other really good pieces of advice that other people had. Uh, a lot of people actually said that this actually worked for them and they were able to get a, able to get a raise, stay with their current company and it wasn't awkward. So that's one of the things that I would be worried about, but again, you you as the employee know your company culture better than anybody else, so that's something for you to consider as well. All right, so those were this week's two career questions. I hope that everybody found them helpful. Those are definitely situations that I think that a lot of people can find themselves in. And uh, well, one of those was just a story and gave me an opportunity to talk about myself. But that scenario with asking for a raise is definitely one of those things that a lot of people don't know how to do. So I hope that that answer was helpful. This has been the third episode of the Engineering Success Podcast. Make sure to subscribe or download the podcast on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, make sure to give the podcast a five-star rating. I'd really appreciate it. It'll help make sure that the podcast shows up in recommendations for other people. Anyways, this has been Engineering Success. I'm Daniel Dollinger, and I'll hopefully hear from you. You'll hopefully hear from me next week. I miscommunication. I just made a pilot, then they threw me on the stations. Now I'm not complaining. Now I'm not complaining. My thoughts get complicated. I cannot explain the lameness. Never losing focus because I ain't chasing payments. Still playing in the basin while I'm working on arrangements. They heard the kid in 50 countries. Thank God that's amazing. But I'd rather think Spotify. They put me on the stations.